All right, all right. What's up, True Life Church? How's everybody doing this morning? You doing good? <laughs> I like how it's, a, it's, it's, it's abbreviated. It's like a whoop. <laughs> Come on, everybody having fun this morning? You having a good day? Good day? Yeah, there you go. That's better. That's a little bit better. Got to get that, that coffee going. Get the caffeine pumping through the veins. See, I have mine. It, let me tell you the secret to Sunday morning is you need to be on setup crew. Then you've had several cups of coffee. And by the time church comes, you're in you're full blown hyperactive. And, uh, and uh, so you can have, you said, see, Tim is a great example. Forgot your, forgot your medicine again, didn't you? All right. <laughs> so, hey, man, we're going to have fun today. Um, part three of this series called Doors. And uh, been been really really good. I do want to uh, I want to let you know that immediately following the service, Joel Mears, where you at, Joel? Where, where's Joel at? Um, in the he'll be right out. He's in, look for the stash uh, <laughs> uh, in the restroom or something. So, but uh, um, hopefully shaven. All right. Um, oh, there he is. So, so anyway, immediately following service, Joel Mears is going to uh, meet everybody down here that wants to learn how to do jump kicks during worship. He's going to teach that move to you. Uh, I don't know if I can do what you do. That's, uh, so is that a CrossFit deal where you learn how to do that? So just teasing, just teasing. And uh, <laughs> no, no, um, no, seriously, he'll teach you if you want to know. You can do the jump kick. Then you can join the worship band. All right. So, so last week we, uh, we were part two of this series. It's been a really fun series. We've been talking about uh, one of, what, what I think is probably one of the most common questions uh, we get asked in ministry as pastors, as leaders. And um, I'm sorry for messing with you, dude. Are we still friends? All right. Um, and uh, you got something on your lip right there. I don't know. But, uh, but, uh, <laughs> and uh, Joel's going to be planting another church soon. All right, so... No, I've uh, been talking about what I think is really one of the most common questions that we get, or maybe the most common question we get asked in ministry as leaders and pastors, and that is, how do I find God's will for my life, trying to figure it out? And uh, Pastor David opened us up two weeks ago uh, with a great message about ask, keep asking, seek, keep seeking, knock, keep knocking. And, uh, and then last week, we, uh, we talked a little bit more about um, uh, the scripture from Revelation chapter 3. Seven and eight. It's kind of our theme scripture. You'll hear it again next week for the for the series. And and let me just read it to you again here. And it says that to write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who's holy and true. That's Jesus, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one say no one can close. And what he closes, no one say it again. No one can open. I know all the things you do, and I've opened a door for you. And we, we talked last week about that, how that word door, I've opened a door for you, actually translates in the Greek to opportunity. So Jesus is saying, I've put some opportunity in front of you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. And so there's a few principles from that scripture that, that we talked through last week. I just kind of want to refresh them again this morning, make sure that you really got them. Really, really uh, three main things that are in there. And the first one is that what God opens, nobody can close. Not even you. And, and so many of us, man, we think God can't use me. I could never serve God. I could never do anything for the kingdom. I could never be good enough. I've made too many mistakes. Mistakes. I've, too many mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
<laughs> uh, can you edit that in the podcast, please? Um, I've made too many steaks. None of my clothes fit. Um, I've made too many mistakes. I've gone too far. I've messed up too much. But check it out. Even when you think you've probably closed the doors with bad choices and bad decisions, uh, the good news is that that door's still open because you, not even I have the power to close the doors for my life that God opens for me. Not, not you don't even have the power to close. The, now you, you can make a choice not to go through those doors, but the opportunity to serve God, the opportunity to find His will and, and do something with our lives that has meaning and purpose, it's never going to go away. The door's going to remain open for us. And then conversely, what He shuts, nobody can open. And, and what I would just encourage some of you with today is, is maybe you have like some things in your life that you've been struggling with. Uh, you know, for me, I've been transparent with you several times. I've talked about how in my family, like, like uh, eating healthy and exercise and, and weight has been a really big issue. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've been running a lot lately, did, did couch to 5K and all that kind of stuff. I think like three quarters of our church is runners or bikers. And uh, yeah, love y'all. And, uh, but I just, I just want to tell you this, like the habits that I could easily fall back into, the only way that that door gets closed on my life that keeps me from, uh, ignoring exercise and, and eating too late and doing all those things, I can't close that door. I don't have the power because that's my, that's my fatal flaw. That's my issue. I don't know what yours is. You have yours. Maybe it's a lust thing. Maybe it's, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's, maybe it's popularity and seeking the approval of man and relationships. I don't know what it is for you, but I do know this. You don't have the power to close that door yourself and keep it closed. When the emotions are right and you're depressed or having a bad day, you will always revert back to the unhealthy habits unless the power of God has come into your life and closed the door for you. Because what he has the power to close, nobody else can open back up. Come on, somebody. That's why we need God, man. That's why we need to have an encounter with him. And then I love that right in the middle, here's the third thing from that scripture. Right in the middle, he says, by the way, there's, there's doors that I've opened for you. What I open, nobody can close. And what I close, nobody can open. And by the way, I know everything about you. I know everything you've done. There are no secrets. There's nothing hidden in the closet that I'm not aware of. And I still have kept an opportunity open for you to serve me and to have a relationship with me. And you know what that says to me is that our relationship with God, at the end of the day, it's really not about the works that we do. It's not about whether or not we get every single decision right or wrong, or whether or not we live the rest of our lives 100% sin-free, because we know that's impossible anyway. Only Jesus did it. He's, he knows we're prone to wander. We're prone to fail. And he still loves us so much. He still extended so much grace that even in the midst of that, he's keeping the doors open that need to be open. He's keeping the doors shut that need to be shut. Come on, that's good news for somebody this morning. We should be excited about that. You want to you know why True Life Church will grow and change our city? It's not because we have the, a great band, although that's really fun. It's not all the awesome preaching you hear, although you hear a lot. <laughs> you want to you, you know why we'll accomplish God's will? Because God opened the door and no man can shut it. And when it's time to shut the door, he'll shut it and no man will be able to open it. We're a part of something bigger than ourselves. All right, so last week we talked about figuring out which doors in our life are from God and which ones aren't. And I gave you two simple guidelines that kind of create the door frame of God's will. In fact, what we talked about is getting yourself in a zone where it becomes easier and clearer to find God's will for your life. 
And I just want to hit it again for you. So this is in your notes. If, you, if you're writing along or if you're following along on version, I want you to write this down, especially if you weren't here last week. I just want to refresh it. The first, the first side of the zone, the first boundary, so to speak, is God's moral will. His moral will. How do we know God's moral will? We read the Bible. It is what God has already said in his word. In his word. So, so here's, there's a progression here. I can't know God's perfect will for my life until I know the moral will that he's already given me in the manual for my life. His word. The Bible. You know, that's what the Bible is. It's a manual for living. It's a manual for your life. I, I recently had to buy a, a little... My, my bedroom is over the garage, and so even though the, when the air conditioner is working great in our house, our bedroom a lot of times is the last room to get cooled down, and I was laying in bed a few nights ago getting angry that I could not get cool enough to sleep comfortably, and so I pulled out my phone and went to Amazon and ordered one of these portable air conditioning units. They're, all, they're awesome. They're on wheels. It came, carried it upstairs, but you know, I had to open the manual and read the instructions to make sure that I installed it properly, because if you don't, if you don't seal the window and do everything right, you just blow hot air back into your house. It, it doesn't do any good. And then, you know, a lot of times that's what we do. We're trying to exhaust the issues out of our lives that we don't want to have to deal with anymore, but we're not following the manual. We're not following God's way for living. We're not following his moral will, and so we're, we're just exhausting the issues right back into our life that we were trying to get rid of. So we've got to know his moral will by getting into his word. If you're trying to get life back on track, start with God's word. Just start there. It's the easiest thing to do. Don't try to course correct without coming back to God's word, all right? And that's what we spent most of last week on was really kind of God's moral will, that piece of it. What we're going to spend more this week on is, is the second piece, the second guideline for finding God's will, and that's God's sovereign will is sovereign will should be on the screen if you're worried about this the spelling and that is what God is doing on the earth right now it's what he's doing around us and I mentioned to there's one big idea here that we've got to get okay there's a there's a flaw that tends to happen in our thinking as Christ followers and that is that we we tend to this is going to sting a little bit all right but we tend to sometimes view God as like this cosmic Santa Claus who exists to assist us with getting what we want out of life and accomplishing our will for our own life. And and I I know that this may not sound fun to you, but I just got to tell you, if that were the point of the whole thing, you would be God. But you're not. He's God. And so our life following Christ is not about getting him to assist us with our will. It's about getting ourselves into the zone where we can assist him with accomplishing his will. Come on, somebody. That's, that's a good place to get a little rowdy. This, I, y'all are, are you feeling it this morning? I'm kind of feeling it today. I mean, like, even look around. You know, churches aren't supposed to have big crowds. You're not supposed to grow in the summer, and there's a good chunk of you here today. I mean, good job. Good job, church. What, what, what God opens, nobody can close, man. I just I feel that this morning. So he doesn't exist to assist us in accomplishing our own will. The idea is to find out what God is doing and be a part of it. And so once you find his moral will and his sovereign will, you can live in this zone where it starts to become much easier, much simpler to determine what God actually wants to do with your life. And the big idea is to live in that zone. And and so today what I want to do is I want to look at what God is up to. What is his sovereign will? 
What is God doing around us right now on the earth? What is God doing even in our church that, that we can come alongside and be a part of? And there's, I think, two pieces of this, all right? So the message is kind of going to get broken up here into two pieces. And the first one is, I want to talk about just collectively as a church, what is God up to with us? What is God up to in, in True Life Church? Because that, I think that there's a big picture piece of it. And then I also think there's like a micro piece where, where we need to figure out, okay, what is God up to in me? And what's he doing? And what's his sovereign will in my life? What's he trying to do with me? All right, so, so I just want to start with that kind of the big picture, or the, the macro view. And I want to talk about just what God is up to at True Life Church. And I'm so we had our lead team meeting this last Monday, and I think all of our, all, all of our lead team members who were there, were there could, will tell you that, that we're just, we're like really fired up about what God is doing. Like we sense that there's something bigger going on here than any of us. Um, I, you probably figured this, this probably isn't a great revelation to any of you, but I'm not that smart. Um, I'm, I, I, I don't have a lot of great gifts and talents, all I have is this picture in my heart and my mind of what God said he would do here, and I, I'm not going to rest until we accomplish it, until we see it fulfilled, and, and I'm just, I'm more fired up about that picture, about that vision than I've ever been, man, and I believe we're closer every day to seeing God accomplish some of the things he promised us when we started out on this thing. We have, I, I feel like there's momentum, I feel like there's spiritual momentum, there's, there's emotional momentum, I feel like people are believing in the vision and the heart for our church, and, uh, and so, man, the train is rolling, and my invitation to you is grab onto that bad boy, jump on, it's like the Wild West, man, and the train is coming through town, and just get on. We don't even know where it's going to end up, but I tell you, the ride is going to be fun, and you should be on the train with us. Come on, somebody. So what's God up to at True Life Church? What would it look like? What kind of momentum could be created if we were all headed in the same direction together as, our, as a church? I'm telling you what, what it would look like. We would see our families living lives of purpose. We would see our city changed. You know, somebody said to me one time, have you... Have you gone out and tried to meet like political leaders and like the mayor and, and different people in Newark? And, and I, I realize that is one strategy that, that spiritual leaders and pastors can take. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But you know, my preference is that we would mess this city up so bad for Jesus Christ that the mayor calls us and says, what are you doing to Newark? What? There, there's fewer homeless people. There's, there's lower crime. There's, there's this mass of people showing up at Newark Shopping Center on Sunday morning, and you're messing up traffic on Main Street. I just think it would be better if they called us instead of us calling them. Come on, somebody. Wouldn't that be fun? We see our workplaces affected. So, so where are we headed as, as a church right now? And I just want to take a moment, because whether you realize it or not, we've already, as a lead team, as leadership, our focus is shifting away from summer. In, in my mind, really, summer's over. Uh, even though we're right in the middle of it, in terms of planning and what we're thinking about, summer's finished. It's over with. And, and so what I want to do is just, I want you to be thinking spiritually about where we're headed as a body, and I want to encourage you to participate in some things that will help us be ready for the fall. You know, fall and like the first of the year, those are the two big growth seasons for churches. They're the two most evangelistic seasons where we can see people who don't have a relationship with Christ come to know him. And I just think there's, there's a spiritual piece to this, right? We should be praying and believing God for all these things. But he also gave us brains 
And so we need to be strategic. We need to think about the future. If God can speak to us on Sunday morning, he can speak to us on Tuesday when we plan Sunday morning. Come on, somebody. All right? And, uh, and so, so we're, we're already looking ahead. And so I want to give you some things that are coming up that you should be pumped up about. You should be fired up about. August 4th, that's in two weeks. The service that Sunday morning is going to be a little bit different from anything we've ever done here. Because we're going to be launching into the month of August, 21 days of prayer. And we're going to be inviting you as a church to join with us every day in praying for some specific things as we head into fall. And so I want it, I want it to just start to resonate in your heart. Like, can you just, uh, just think about it. If all of us were asking God for the same thing at the same time every single day, can I just tell you, he doesn't ignore stuff like that. In fact, I can't confirm it yet. We're trying to get the, the awesome people at New Heart Ministries who let us use their building for life track. I, I'll know tomorrow, and we'll put it out in a, in a newsletter email. Uh, we are trying to get them to let us use the building at 6 a.m. on Monday through Friday. He says, 6 a.m.? Are you crazy? Yes, I'm crazy. I think God wants to do something, and it means we have to get out of our comfort zone to see it happen. And there, there's time at 6 a.m. before we get on the road and commute to our jobs. Wouldn't it be awesome if some of us just got together in the mornings and started our days for, for that 21 days together, seeking God in the same place, praying for the, we're going to pray for our, our, our community leaders, we're going to pray for our church, we're going to pray for the leadership of the church, we're going to pray over families, we're going to pray over children. And uh, so some way, somehow, I don't care if we have to do it in somebody's house, we're going to get together and pray in the mornings during this 21 days of prayer, Monday through Friday, before we start our work day. Um, we're just going to put on some worship music and spend some time praying together. Come on, somebody fired up about that? All right. And we'll bring coffee if we have to, because I don't want you to be like, dear Jesus. All right, so August 4th, we're going to kick that off. That's our service here in two weeks, and the service is going to look different. It's kind of what I would call an encounter service. And when I say that, I don't want you to think like anything weird or spooky, but, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to take communion together. Uh, the teaching, preaching portion is going to be very short, like 10 minutes. We're going to add some extra worship music to the service. Uh, you know, we normally do three or four songs that day. We're going to do like six. And we're just going to uh, spend an extended amount of time in the presence of God, praying for the things that we believe God has asked us to accomplish, and going back to him and, and going back to his throne and, and just laying it at his feet. Because, listen, really, there's a lot of cool stuff that happens here, and that's all fun, lights and music and video screens and, and, and growth. And, and, but none of that means anything if we don't have a sovereign move of God. It's, on, it's only, I can't change a person's heart. You can't change a person's heart. Only the Holy Spirit can show up and change a person's heart. And so we're going to spend an extended period of time next in two weeks on the 4th asking him to do that. And then what I want to ask you to do during that 21 days of prayer, while you're praying, I want you to focus on one or two people in your life who you know need Christ. Now, come on, show hands. How many know somebody who needs Jesus Christ in their life? Every single one of us. And so what I want you to do is focus on one or two Build a relationship there. My son, that's my son amening me from the hallway back there. I hear him. He said, go daddy. All right. Uh, I want you to spend that time focusing in on one or two people and, the, and, and then just work on inviting them to church. Uh, just, just work on building the relationship to the point where you can invite them uh, because that is the number one prayer agenda God has for us is to see souls saved, to see new hearts in the kingdom building his kingdom together. And then in September, 
we hit that real evangelistic season, all of our college, you all realize there's like 50 college students who are away right now that will come rushing back in here uh, when September comes. It's going to fill in all these seats, and um, it, it's going to be more than 50. We're going to see more than that, and I'm asking God for something crazy. We've never had any, we've had people give their hearts to Christ every single Sunday, but I'm asking God for 50 people to receive Christ during the month of September in our church. And uh, so, so on a good, like a really big Sunday, there would be maybe 150 people here. So I'm talking about uh, adding a, 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 a third um, into our body in one month, and we're going to grow, uh, and, and we're going we're gonna to have to move the ropes back, and we're going to see some great things. Happen. Come on, you believe that with me? Will you pray for that with me? All right. And uh, I got to pause for a second, because if I don't do this now, I'll forget, and I should have done it at the beginning. I have, like, a super special guest with me this weekend, hanging out at my, my house. Uh, my stepmom flew in from Kansas City to spend the weekend with us. Her name is Kathy, and she's somewhere back there. So y'all, would y'all just give her some love? There she is, right there. And, uh, and always great when family comes in, because your kids get new clothes, and <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's, it's great to have her here. We've really, really enjoyed our time with her. Um, all right, so, and then one other thing that all of us should be fired up. How many serve on a life team? You serve on the life team. It used to be called Dream Team here at True Life Church. You greet, you usher, you lead a small group, uh, you, you do whatever. Listen, next Saturday, we're celebrating you. We want you to come hang out with us at the group residence um, from, from 10 to 1. It's going to be quick, and uh, we're, we're going to feed you some incredible food. We always do. And it's just a party to celebrate you and say, thank you for serving. You say, what if I don't serve? Can I come? Nope. But you can jump into Life Track and start serving, and we'll invite you to the next one. All right? You know, are you, is this an exclusive group? Yes. It's people who are building the kingdom together. And, uh, and, and so if you're doing that, if you're serving, uh, show up. Be there. We want you there. And for the rest of you, if you're offended, it's okay. Be offended. I don't care. All right. So, 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 man, I just want you to be excited about where we're headed as a church family. The lead team is, fire, Joel, you fired up, man? Brian, you fired up? Where's group? Where's groupie? Groupie, you fired up, man? Kristen Brownlee, I know she's fired up, but she's over there with the kids. All our trustees, Lynn, Jeff, y'all fired up? <laughs> he said, <"Hey>, fired up. <laughs> Doing the jump kick. All right. All right, so, so that's all fun stuff. We get to be a part of a of a corporate vision as a church, as a community. But what about, now you might be saying, okay, that's awesome, but what about me? Like the micro view and my life. What does God want to do with me? And that's really what I want to spend the rest of the morning talking to you about. And here's this, the big idea for today, all right? And this may not sound fun to you, but it's a process. Finding God's perfect will for your life is a process. I'm not going to be able to preach a message and have little light bulbs come on over the top of all your heads where you suddenly get it. But I'm hoping today that what I can show you is this process that's in Scripture and, and how, how you can, you because can, it's actually four steps. I'm going to show you. There's four steps that we move through in, in, a, in finding and accomplishing God's will for our lives. And chances are all of us are either waiting to start the first one or you're somewhere in those four stages and you've gotten stuck at one of them and you don't know how to move forward from it. And so what I want to do is I'm going to give you these four stages and then I'm going to give you some questions to ask yourself that go with each one that will help you figure out how to move to the next stage of the process. Because guess what? This is a, a cycle that repeats itself. 
we find God's will, we move through it, we accomplish something with him and through him, and then he, he turns us and redirects us towards the next thing. And so it's always happening. There's always something that God is doing with us, something that he's trying to accomplish in us. All right, so, so let's talk through how do we step through the doors that God has placed in our lives. We course corrected last week. We're trying to get on track morally. Now we want to walk through the doorways. And, and these four steps, you can, you can find them all throughout Scripture, but there's one little speech that Paul gives in Acts chapter 20 that covers all four of them that I want to share with you. And, and uh, Paul, Paul the Apostle, he basically was, was a, he was a church planner. He would go to a, a town, he would come to an area, he would win some people to Christ, he'd build a body of believers, build some community, get a church strong and healthy, and he'd move on to another town and do it over again. Now don't worry, that's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to get this he- strong and healthy and stay here forever and keep it strong and healthy. They're going to bury me in Newark unless God changes my mind with like a lightning bolt, all right? So... Um, <clears throat> you might bury me right then. All right, so, uh, so I want to show you these four steps. See, Paul's, Paul's talking to the, the church at Ephesus that he's established and built, and he's basically saying, hey, I'm getting ready to leave. i got to go somewhere else and, and do this process over again. And he's, this is his farewell speech that he's giving to, to his church family there at Ephesus. And so it starts in Acts 20, verse 22. And it says, and now compelled by the Spirit. And, and I might just, I'm going to give you some words that I would underline in that scripture, either on your notes or in your Bible, whatever you want to do, if I were you. And now compelled, I would underline the word compelled. Actually, I'd underline that last piece, compelled by the Spirit. I'm going to, the, I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing, I'd underline those two words, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that Prison and hardships, I'd underline those three words, are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim, and I would underline those three words, my only aim, is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And so there's four stages to finding God's will for your life. And the first one is right there in the beginning. It's in verse 22. And now compelled... By the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. And the first stage is the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The prompting of the Holy Spirit. And so if we're going to find God's will for our life, we've got to be plugged into the source. We've got to have a relationship with Christ. That gives us access to the Holy Spirit who can speak to us just like a simple whisper or a tugging in our hearts and prompt us with what we think might be His will for our life. And so we've got to start there. We've got to be prompted by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Job 32, 18 and 19, he, he kind of, I think, in these words, describes what that prompting of the Spirit can sometimes feel like. He says, for I'm full of words, and the Spirit within me compels me. Inside I'm like bottled up wine, like new wineskins, ready to burst. Have you ever had that moment, that season in your life, where God reveals something to you, and you just feel like you're about to burst? You just, it's just, there's just something you can't, you can't describe it, you can't, explain it there's it's just it's bursting out of you and so we've we've got to start god all often uses those moments to compel us towards what he wants to accomplish with our lives and and uh the 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 greek word there for compelled by the spirit actually really cool i'm going to teach you some greek this morning all right so so repeat after me say deo ho numa deo ho numa 
There you go. Now you speak Greek. Congratulations. Good for you. All right. That's the word that, that the English translators translated to compelled, compelled by the Spirit. And what it literally means is the Holy Spirit has wrapped him up like, like cords, like ropes, and pulled him to his next destination. So in other words, what my prayer for you is, is that before we go any further, before you try to figure out the details of God's plan for your life, that you would spend some time seeking him earnestly, and that you would get to a place where the, you and the Holy Spirit are so connected to each other that he begins to wrap you up like a cord, like ropes, and can just pull you wherever it is he wants to lead your life. Come on, Listen, I've learned that I actually embrace, I don't want to be in control of my life, because you know what happens when I'm compelled by Michael? I mess up. I make a mess out of everything. But I found that when I'm compelled by the Spirit, when I'm wrapped up in Him and pulled to my next destination by Him, things, even though they don't always feel smooth and and glamorous, things always turn out for the good. Things always turn out for my best, for my family's best. We need to be compelled by the Spirit. Let me illustrate it to you this way. I, I, um, I went with my family. It was before Benjamin was born. My wife and my daughter and I, we went up to uh, the Concord Mall on Concord Pike. Everybody know where Concord Mall is? It's a small, this small shopping mall. And we parked. There's one of the main mall entrances there at the south end, uh, just, just inside of where the, I think it's a Sears that kind of ends the, the south side of the mall there and uh, anchors it. And, and so we walked in that entrance. And, you know, when you walk into a mall or like an airport, a lot of times there's food courts and different things. And so there's lots of, or perfume stores, there's all these different odors that, but there's one smell. As soon as we opened that door and stepped inside the mall at that entrance, there was this one odor that immediately just like, just smacked me, just right upside the face. And it was like, oh. And it was like hooks in my nose and just led me. And you, you know, there's, you, you probably know what I'm talking because there's one smell and it's, it, it rises above all the rest, above Chick-fil-A, Above all, it, c- Cinnabon, you know what I'm saying? All right. And so I don't even know what happened. It was like I blacked out. And the next thing I know, my family and I are sitting there with this beautiful, juicy, perfectly glazed, with a big glob of icing and butter on top. You know what I'm saying? The, listen, that ha- Jesus had to be a part of sin. There's no way anything that good came from hell. All right. Jesus is in the Cinnabon, all right? I'm just telling you. And, and so, and that smell just came, and anytime I'm somewhere and that cinnamon hits my nose, you know what I'm saying? Now, I've learned, I've learned to suppress it <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> but when that smell gets in your nose, you're, you're drawn, you're compelled to that stand, and then, and you don't even realize what's happened, and then you look down, and there's only a few bites left, and you're like, "Where have I been for the last 20 minutes? I don't even, I don't remember it." And I, you know, I just want to use I, to me that's the best way I know how to illustrate what it's like to be compelled by the Spirit. It's like the Holy Spirit gets cinnamon in our nose, and just there, there's just some. You, you know what happened when we we started praying about planting True Life Church? It, it started with my wife after an incredible Sunday service saying to me, wouldn't it be 
wouldn't it be awesome if, could you just, she said, these were her words, can you imagine a church like this in Newark? Actually, she said where we used to live, but that was here. And my, my first thought was, ha ha, very cute, but it was like cinnamon in my nose, and I couldn't shake the smell, and it started keeping, us, keeping me awake at night, literally, and I started having visions and pictures of what it would look like to have a life-giving church in Newark. And that's my prayer for you today, is that the Holy Spirit would reveal some things to you, and it would be like, it'd be like that smell at Cinnabon. And you just find yourself compelled, to fo- you just have to follow it. You can't get the scent, and there's no way you're going to be able to deal with it until you satisfy the craving to please a holy God. Come on, are you with me this morning? Why did we plant true life? Because we got cinnamon in our nose. Why am I investing every free minute that I can afford to build young leaders in our church? It's cinnamon in my nose. Why do I believe the local church, not government, is the hope of the world, not 70 million checks a week? The local church is the hope of the world. Why do I believe that with all my heart? Why have I dedicated my life to it? Because there's this smell in my nose that I can't get rid of. And I've got to follow it, man, with all my heart. Yeah, you can, you can amen that. It's, I feel compelled by the Spirit. In the, last, in the last three weeks, I've met with four pastors from our area who are trying to figure out what's next. And one guy who wants to plant a church. And they're, they're trying to figure out what the next step is, how to get their church on track. And, and so they find the ark, and they find us locally, and they, they see, well, there's, there's a crowd showing up, so something must be happening. And the, literally, they'll call our church, and they hope to sit down and meet with us looking for the secret sauce. And I don't have the secret sauce, except that you need cinnamon in your nose. You need the Holy Spirit compelling you to do whatever it is that only your church can do. And you know, why am I taking the time to sit down and meet with the, It'll never benefit True Life Church at all until we get to heaven. There's no benefit for me sitting with another pastor and sharing ideas to help get their church back on track. But I have to, because I don't just believe True Life Church is the hope. I believe the local church is the hope of the world. It's the instrument that Christ is using to spread his word, to spread his gospel around the world. And so I have to, there's cinnamon in my nose, I have to invest as much as I can to make sure that the mission succeeds. I believe in the local church with every fiber of my being. And so maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're going, what? Michael, what if I don't feel compelled? I don't smell anything. Then I would say there's a real possibility that you haven't been spiritually born yet. Maybe you don't know Christ. Maybe you don't have a relationship with him. Or maybe you do, and for for some reason, your relationship with him has just kind of grown cold and flat. And for you, I would say start with the moral will. Get to know the way of living that will get you connected to his presence so he can start to reveals that smell to you. Some need to reconnect. You're flat. You're cold. You know, I I meant to grab a a can of Coke from my house. I don't drink them because they're Satan. But my wife drinks them. (laughs) Occasionally. Better get a blanket on the couch later. All right. And you know, if I, but if I had that can of Coke with me and I, it was sitting here at room temperature, and I just popped the tab. You'd hear a little tss. You know, that's where some of us are at spiritually. We come to a church service, it feels kind of good, but it's just a little tss. But you know, if I heat that bad boy up, or if I start to stir it, 
I shake that thing. And then I open it, what happens? Right? You know, what, you know what I'm hoping God will do in your heart today? Is that he'll just begin to stir something. So that when you start to sense God's, when you start to smell it, when you start to feel God, the compelling of the Spirit, it just, it, boom! It's everywhere. Man, I want God's presence I want it to touch everything that I come into contact with in my life. Because he's, he's better than I am. It's better that way. So here's the question I want you to ask about this first stage, being compelled by the Spirit. And you might want to write this down somewhere just to remind yourself. Ask this question, where is God stirring me? Where is God stirring me? You want to know why we invite everyone to Wave Conference with us in, the, in August, right before this evangelistic season in our church? You want to know why? Because we want, to, we want to go as a group, as a church, as a team. We want to go somewhere, get away from everything, disconnect from our own lives, and get stirred. Get stirred by the Spirit. You know, you need that. You need seasons in your life that are that way where you go and you get disconnected from everything and we just get stirred. We get stirred together like that Coke can shaking. And then when fall comes and college students come back and families put their kids back in school, and vacations are over, and the schedules settle down, they're going to come to True Life Church, and we're just going to go, we're just going to spray Jesus all over everybody. You know what I'm saying? Come on, somebody. It'd be a better illustration with a real Coke, but some of you'd be messy. All right, I'm going to hurry up and finish. The second stage, let me just say this about getting stirred by the Spirit. Tonight is our growth track, or our life track 301. And uh, Kristen will actually be there teaching it. And that's, that's what the whole process is about, is helping figure out where you're being stirred. And I'll just say this to you. We're, we're training our leaders, our life team leaders, to never recruit for a need. I don't ever want to say to you, hey, you should serve here because this is really where we need you. You know what we want to say to you is, what are you smelling right now? What's the cinnamon in your nose? Which, which direction is it pulling you? Because if I aim you somewhere, chances are I'm probably going to get it wrong. So what are you smelling? All right, the second stage in finding God's will for our lives. Is this helping you this morning? Is this good? All right. It's good. All right, second stage is certain uncertainty. Certain uncertainty. So Paul says, I'm compelled by the Spirit. And then in verse 22, he says, I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. Paul was certain that he didn't know all the details about what was coming next. Because that's how God operates. See, a lot of times we think, God, I need details. Give me the plan. Give me the plan. Give me the plan. And God's going, I'm not going to give you the plan because if I give you the plan, you don't need faith. And I want you to live by faith. I can't reveal it all to you yet because I want you to trust me. I want to be in control, not have you in control. I want to bring glory to the kingdom of heaven, not glory to myself. Come on, somebody. I'm going to Jerusalem, and I don't know what's going to happen to me there. And so what I would say to you is this. You can take a huge step forward in your maturity as a Christ follower. If you can move from, from being frustrated and annoyed by not having all the details to actually inviting it into your life. Because I think Paul actually learned to embrace that. Check it out. Look at, look at Paul by the time he's writing 1 Corinthians 16, 5 through 9. He's writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I'll be going through Macedonia. Perhaps, I don't know, maybe, perhaps I'll stay with you for a while. Perhaps. 
or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go, because I don't know where I'm going. For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if, because he might not, the Lord permits. But I'll stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door or opportunity for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. And so here's Paul going, I'd like to come see you, not sure when, not sure if God's going to let me. He might. And so by the time he's writing Corinthians, he's going, I think maybe, but it's really up to God. It can, that's, that's my life. I love it. I've learned to embrace it. I love it. I think, I, I think maybe, I think I know, but maybe not. And I'm not in control of it. God is. I think I know what next Sunday might be like, but maybe God will show up and just wreck it and do whatever he wants. Because it's his, and he gets to. So some of us need to take that step of faith, go to Life Track, start a small group, join a life team. We need, listen, can I just tell you something? Our fall semester's coming up quick. Brian needs, next Sunday, he's offering a small group leader training. So you can, you can already get trained for the, the fall semester in small groups. We'll offer another training in August. And can I just tell you, if for some reason you're sitting back, waiting back to get involved, get plugged in and do something, this is my open invitation to you. I'm just telling you, your life can't possibly be messy enough or bad enough or mistake-ridden enough to not fit in at True Life Church. Everybody has skeletons in the closet here. Everybody's got a past. All of us have a hope and a future. It's Jesus Christ. It's his grace. It's his will for us. And we need you. We need, listen, the church can survive without, we can survive without you, but we'll thrive with you. We'll thrive with you. We need you. Lead a group. Join a team. Do, give. Do something. Pray. Get involved with stuff. Second, Second Corinthians 5, 7, I love this. Paul says, for we live by faith, not by sight. And so the question to ask in this stage, the uncertain certainty is where do I need to take a step of faith? What, what is it? I don't know what it is for you. I hope the Holy Spirit's putting some cinnamon in your nose right now and showing you, where's an area of my life where I need to take a step? I need to take a leap and trust God. Number three, predictable resistance. The third stage of finding God's will for our lives and, and walking through the door is predictable resistance. In other words, and some of you experienced, we've had at least four families that I know of in the last couple of weeks that are trying to serve God with all of their heart, they're involved in our church, they're ascending up the leadership ladder. They're giving everything they can to God, and the more they give to God, the more all hell has broken loose in their lives. And, and resistance will come. Hey, I'm Michael, I'm the pastor, I'm here to encourage you. <laughs> I'm here to build you. I'm just telling you, it's going to happen. Predictable resist there's a lot of momentum a lot of good things happening in true life church and i always try to bring the positive to you on the stage i want you to see that piece of it but can i just tell you you have no idea the resistance that we've encountered at times no idea you have no idea that the the times that the enemy has come in and tried to divide and steal and lie and cheat and and derail what god is doing here you have no idea like on sunday morning some of the craziness that will happen, or the calls at midnight on Saturday night from theater staff going, there's a lot of water in there from the rain. We're not really sure how we're going to get it dry in time for you to have church. <laughs> it's, it's just, and you know what? I just go, eh, predictable resistance. It, we're having church. I don't care if we stand in the, in the parking lot 
with a bullhorn, we're having church. We're reaching people. Resistance isn't going to stop us. He, he said it in Acts 20, 23. I know, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Woohoo! <laughs> I serve God. I'm going to jail. All right. You know, here's the problem. It's, an, it's really, it's a spiritual maturity thing. Too many of us interpret resistance as a sign that we're off track, when in reality, oftentimes, resistance is a sign that we're right where we ought to be. We're doing exactly what we ought to be doing. And God is leading us on a path. I hope this is helping somebody this morning. You, you, just, need to, you just need to be okay. The resistance is going to come, man. You want to pursue God with all your heart? You want to serve him with all your heart? Get ready for the enemy to attack your marriage and your family. He will try to shred you. He'll do everything he possibly can to leave you hopeless and destitute and broken and on your own, isolated, with your, with your faith in God, stretched beyond recognition. But I'm just telling you, man, it's the enemy of your soul. Because he knows that if you walk through that door and follow God's will and follow God's purpose for your life, you will wreck hell. You will take back what's been stolen and you'll populate heaven with the testimony of your life. So just be ready for the resistance. It's going to happen. It's coming. It's coming. Be encouraged. <laughs> First Thessalonians 2.18. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan blocked our way. And the Greek word for that word blocked actually means he kept putting ditches in our path. He kept building ditches. You know... Anybody ever felt like there's just a big ditch in front of you that you couldn't get past to go where God was trying to lead you? But here's the thing. You know what the Bible says is that when we come, a, come to a ditch, are we supposed to reroute, change paths, find a new road? Absolutely not. The Bible says that we're overcomers through Christ Jesus, that we're more than conquerors, that if God is for us, who can be against us? And so what I'm telling you this morning, church, if there's a ditch in front of you, get up ahead of steam, baby. Get the Holy Spirit to grab onto you and take a jump. He'll get you over the ditch. He'll take you where he wants you to go. Don't detour. Go over it. Be an overcomer. Number four, the fourth stage. We need an organ up here, man, because I'm preaching today. We need focus. <laughs> You're going to get tased, boy. All right. All right. Number four, focused determination. Focused determination. The fourth stage of, of pursuing God's will for our lives is focused determination. Those who line themselves up with God's door are focused. Band, you guys can go ahead and just quietly come up here. Don't get distracted by these guys moving on the stage. Hang with me for a second. Help me close it out strong. Acts 20, 24 says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's, of God's grace. Listen, we've got to be more focused and determined than ever before. And here's the question. I didn't give you the question, did I, for the predictable resistance. All right, here it is. Here's the question. Where's the enemy attacking me? All right, so you need to ask that question. And then for focused determination, here's the question. Where should my focus be? Where should it be? And I would argue that oftentimes our focus is just not where it should be. It just, it just happens. It's a natural condition of life. So let the Holy Spirit this morning compel you. Get the cinnamon in your nose and show you, hey, focus here. Not, not over there, not over there. 
let me lead, let me lead you. Focus where, where I'm leading you. Where should my focus be? All of this, if we're compelled by the Spirit, certain of uncertainty, predictable resistance, focus determination will lead you through the doors God's opening in your life. Let me sum it up for you this way. Because you know, there's another word to describe all of this. When we're compelled, we're okay with the uncertainty. We know there's resistance coming and we have focus determination. There's another word actually to describe what that develops in your life and it's called vision. And you need vision. You need God-inspired vision for your life. In fact, the Bible says where there is no vision, people cast off restraint or they die. Or if you actually read the, the, the translation from the Hebrew and the Greek, it, it says they, they, give, they go nuts, they go crazy. People get crazy without God-inspired vision. So here's the last fill-in on your notes. I want to just sum the whole thing up for you this way. When vision increases, options decrease, making it easier to walk through the right door. When vision increases, options decrease, making it easier to walk through the right door. Don't you want to walk through the right door? Don't you want to get it right this morning? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Because I know. That-